Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Alexander Peterson. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I will start by giving you an overview of what has happened in the markets. On Wednesday, the S&P 500 index gained 0.3%, led by energy, real estate, and financials. The Nasdaq 100 also rose by 0.3%. Treasury yields were little changed and the bond curve remained deeply inverted with the 10-year Treasury yield at 3.1%. Morning trading in Hong Kong was halted due to a typhoon, but it has opened again and is up 1.5%. China has stepped up stimulus spending with a further 1 trillion yuan, which translates to around 146 billion US dollars. These measures will be used to fund property sector woes, COVID-linked mobility curves, and some power shortages. Mainland shares made only modest progress, reflecting uncertainty about whether the efforts are sufficient. The Jackson Hole Symposium, where major central bankers meet, starts today. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell is due to speak on Friday, with the market anticipating a more harkish lean to his comments. Today, also market participants will scour the minutes from the ECB's July's meeting for details on the conditions under which its new crisis management tool might be deployed, as well as the likelihood of another 50 basis points increase in September or potentially even more. Turning to South Korea, its central bank raised borrowing costs and forecasted faster inflation. As a result, the won and bond yields rose while the Kospi index gained 1%. West Texas Intermediate Crude is trading at around $95 a barrel, and gold is trading up 0.3% at $1,756. In Europe, natural gas prices have surged to fresh highs, intensifying an energy crisis that threatens the euro area economy and hence the global outlook. In the digital asset world, Bitcoin is hovering around $24,000. In other market news, hedge funds have increased their bets on megacap U.S. tech stocks, while decreasing overall holdings to focus on preferred names from the previous quarter. The average weightings of the top 10 holdings increased to 70%, the highest concentration since the first quarter of 2020. Today, the U.S. will release data on GDP, personal consumption, and initial jobless claims. Just now, Germany released its GDP figures, which displayed 1.8%, slightly higher than expected consensus of 1.5%. That's it for me. I'll now hand over to Carson Menke, head of Next Generation Research, with an update on industrial metals. Yes, thank you. Um, So we've seen quite a wild ride in the industrial metal markets this year. Initially, the war in Ukraine and the rated sanctions against Russia triggered fears of supply shortages pushing prices to multi-year, if not all-time highs. These fears have disappeared as supplies have been reshuffled, while fears of demand destruction amid rising recession risks have moved more and more into focus. Aluminium is a case in point, with prices down 40% from the highs. That said, we have seen signs of support more recently around the $2,400 per ton level. This support is coming from the supply side, namely smelter closures in Europe and China due to sky-high electricity prices in the case of the former and drought conditions in the case of the latter. The aluminium production process is extremely energy-intensive, requiring between, say, 13 and 17 megawatt-hours of electricity per ton of metal. 
In Europe, where smelting capacity has actually been declining by around 1.3 million tons during the past 15 years due to increasingly uncompetitive electricity costs, two companies announced further closures totaling around 175,000 tons this week. Meanwhile, in China, which in total produces more than 38 million tons of aluminium per year, smelters in the Sichuan province were ordered to temporarily close capacities of around 1 million tons. This is due to persistent drought conditions in the province, a lack of hydropower generation, record high temperatures, and surging electricity demand for air conditioning. All in all, we believe that these announcements are unlikely to tighten the aluminium market significantly as fears of demand destruction remain dominant, reflecting the overall economic weakness in the Western world, as well as severely struggling property markets in China. Thus far this year, both Chinese property starts and sales are trending at multi-year lows, down around 27 and 37% from last year's levels. While the Chinese government is taking actions to stabilize the property market due to its overall economic relevance, this should not be mistaken as a stimulus. These property-related headwinds are affecting the industrial metals in general, but they are most strongly felt in the iron ore and steel markets due to their outsized share of construction demand. Overall, we believe industrial metal prices are back to fair levels following the fears of shortages and the related exuberance earlier this year. A rapid rebound looks unlikely in our view amid prevailing economic uncertainties and overall sufficient supplies. So back to Alex. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Carlson. Last but not least, Nicholas Jordan from the CIO office with an update on this week's IC meeting. Over to you, Nicholas. Yes, thank you, Alex, and good morning, everyone. So the discussions in the IC this week were very data dependent, with lots of economic momentum indicators being analyzed. Data dependent is also the right buzzword when it comes to the Fed and its upcoming rate hikes. At the last FOMC meeting, the Fed signaled a shift in its stance by announcing that with the policy rate now being close to neutral territory, its policy path will be data-dependent going forward. That ever-so-slight shift in tone has allowed markets to continue their summer rally. While there is little doubt that the Fed will hike rates at the next meeting in September, the market is split as to the size of the hike, 50 or 75 basis points. Yet, with the Jackson Hole Central Bank Symposium coming up this week, it appears that the market expects Fed officials to deliver a rather hawkish message as the rally has stopped in its tracks, with US large-cap stocks coming down more than 4% from their August peak. Risk appetite has plunged accordingly. On our part, we expect the Fed to deliver on its data-dependent message and hike by only 50 basis points, given the balance of economic indicators. That said, investors should be aware that the Fed's rate increases year-to-date have not entirely fed into the real economy yet. The heated debate about the right level of interest rates should not divert our attention from another instrument that has a very direct impact on market liquidity, namely central banks' management of their balance sheets. In this respect, the Fed is very pragmatic. Back in 2019, it had to learn the hard way what it means to shrink the balance sheet too rapidly and leave the market fighting for liquidity. With this experience in mind, the US central bank has reduced its holdings of treasury notes and bonds by only half as much as announced. And given the stress on the housing market, 
Last month, it even found ways to actually increase its holding of mortgage-backed securities. However, the monthly target for balance sheet reduction will officially double next month. We cannot rule out that some headlines will temporarily weigh on market sentiment. Beyond this, we stay confident that Fed Chair Powell will do his best to avoid a liquidity crunch. The key is the continuation of US bank lending growth, mitigating the impact of the Fed's balance sheet shrinkage. The last topic of interest in this week's IC was Europe's renewed natural gas frenzy, as it faces its potentially most serious energy crisis in decades. Russia's announcement that it will curtail flows once again boosted natural gas and power prices to new highs. Despite the spike in prices, fundamental developments seemingly tell a different story. Even without the Russian supply, European natural gas shortage levels are in line with seasonal averages and Europe is not facing a natural gas shortage as of today. In short, our research experts explained that several ifs would have to materialize together before Europe's natural gas supplies meaningfully come under threat. This increases the likelihood that the natural gas market will stay resilient, keeping the risk of supply shortages accordingly low. This said, investors should definitely be ready for continued price volatility in the oil and gas sector. That's all from my side. Back to you, Alex. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nicholas. And with that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers and thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you'll join us again. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.